What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock. And before we get started with today's podcast, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to please follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. That's P-L-Y-A-N-D-T-H-E-D-A-W-G, Ply and the Moldog. You can also find our live video game show most nights of the week at Plyrock Gamer on Facebook. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plyrock Gamer, P-L-Y-R-O-C-K-G-A-M-E-R. We appreciate all the support. We'd love it if you dropped us some feedback, a subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much and enjoy. Meeting at the intersection of entertainment and knowledge, of greatness and destiny, comes the greatest sports video game movie podcast on today. Please welcome in your hosts, Plyrock and Mitch the Moldaw. What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock, and welcome to another episode of the greatest podcast in the history of the world. Maybe not quite that good, but we're getting damn close. It's Ply and the Moldog. What's going on, Moldog? How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm ready to get into it. I got a a new setup here at the studios, and uh, let's see how it sounds. Oh, man, I bet you it's a better setup than Wilder had set up ready for that fight last weekend. Holy moly. Let's talk about Fury Wilder 2, the biggest heavyweight championship fight, quote-unquote, supposedly, since Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson. Although, I would say the biggest fight since Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson was probably Lennox Lewis and Vitaly Klitschko, but we'll just go past that for a little while. Did you watch the fight, Muldog, and what did you think? I did watch the fight, and the thing that stood out to me that I don't remember from the first one as much, and maybe I just wasn't looking for it, but I was really impressed with Fury's jab and how he just kept Wilder at bay whenever he wanted to. He just stuck out that big left hand, you know, pushed him away, hit him when he could. He was setting up for the right, and uh, Wilder just loads that right hand so much. I mean, that's his bomb, right? He just wants to drop that bomb. And he couldn't do it with any degree of consistency. He couldn't keep Fury off him. Fury just mauled him. Yeah, it was in, it was incredible. And, you know, if you go back and watch the first fight between the two, you kind of had a preview for what was going to happen in the second fight. Fury is a better boxer. Uh, he's more skilled and he's more awkward, in my humblest of opinions. And he pretty much beat a Wilder the entire first fight until Wilder was able to connect with those big shots in the ninth and the 12th round. Um, That's why they call it a puncher's chance. Uh, It's exciting when it happens. It's, it's a rarity in boxing, like a grand slam walk-off is a rarity in baseball. It's the same. Everybody dreams moment uh, for that particular sport. But when you have somebody like a Tyson Fury who is just faster, naturally, uh, he's also nat- he's, he wasn't in better shape. He's just naturally faster. He's naturally a better boxer. And he's awkward as all hell doing like the drunken monkey in there. And Wilder's got a, a kind of a habit of telegraphing his punches. 
He's not really a jabber and a mover, you know. Um, he's more of a Mr. T from Rocky Three style of boxing where he's swinging these hooks and these giant shots, and he's he's got such a long reach. These shots are coming from downtown. And if he connects on him, he'll kill you. Uh, but if he if he can't hit you, uh, it's over. He's always open in the jab. He leaves his hand down. He doesn't guard. Uh, he he's, he never led Fury this entire fight. Like they didn't dance. He just he was straight in front of him, flat footed. He'd take his shot. Fury would put his arms up, and he you know he'd get all tangled up in Fury's defense after Fury popped him three or four times. So I didn't really see anything. I know a lot of people think it's somewhat of an upset or somewhat of a shock. I didn't see that. Were you shocked by the outcome of this fight, Muldog? I don't think I was shocked by the outcome per se. I was shocked by the level of domination. As you mentioned, uh, Wilder looked from the third round on. I think that was the first knockdown was around three, and then there was a couple slips. There was another knockdown in round five. But he just looked wobbly. He did not look steady on his feet at all. His jab had nothing, totally ineffective. They tied up quite a bit. The referee didn't have the easiest night. They tied up quite a bit. Fury's just leaning on him, leaning on him. There was actually a little, you know, there was some hitting. There was some holding and hitting going on too there. Fury actually had a point deducted in well, the Well, Fury fifth round. was bullying him. Yeah, he, he was just mauling him. And, and Wilder was always backing up, and Fury was always coming forward. And at some point, that uh, that's a recipe for disaster. I will say this, you know, in in – Kenny Bayless gave Deontay Wilder every opportunity to win this fight, by the way. No doubt. Oh, my gosh. Like, when they came out of the corner for I forget what round it was, Bayless was making Fury stand over on the other side, and he gave Wilder, like, another eight seconds. So the round started at, like, 2.52, not three minutes. I was like, this is insane. Like, what are they doing? So... Bayless was definitely not not being very harsh on Deontay Wilder. Just Fury was just too was too tough. Now you mentioned something about his legs. Now he claims that uh, first of all he's had a few excuses since the fight has happened, uh, which we'll get into here in a second. But a heavyweight fighter with excuses? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> any fighter with excuses sometimes, right? But what he says was what it, what I noticed. I should say is if you believe the backstage camera work in Wilder's locker room, Wilder was walking back and forth for probably three hours. Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like a like he was ready to come out of a cage and just tear somebody apart. Whether or not that was staged, they all claim that's what he does before a fight. He's just walking back and forth. Well, if you're just going to walk back and forth for four hours... I don't care who you are. You're walking miles upon miles in four hours. You're going to burn a little juice in your legs, man. There's not going to be as much glucose in those glutes when you get out there to fight. So that's the first thing. His corner probably should have maybe, hey, you know, maybe we relax a little bit or, you know, let's walk a little bit and then maybe let's play this, you know, Nintendo over here or something to chill out. Or I don't know, it's pre-ritual. Don't get me wrong. But and then the second thing, he comes out after the fight and he says, well, it was the suit I wore to the ring. He wore this awful glittery getup to the ring, this giant like he's supposed to look like a, a dark knight or something. 
And it weighed like 40 pounds. So he came to the ring in like the supposedly 40 pound hockey gear to have the championship of, you know, to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. And he said that took a little gas out of his tank. Well, whose fault is that, bro? First of all. Right. Why would anybody ever think that's a good idea? No, it's ridiculous. Like you should, there's a reason boxing robes are light and comfortable when you come to the ring. You know, simple, light, comfortable, get in there. Yeah, I mean, Fury didn't use an ounce of energy from sitting in his locker room all the way to sitting on his throne while they were singing Patsy Cline's Crazy from 1961. All the way till he got in the ring, he was like, I'm not wasting a calorie on this crap until I get in there. Now, obviously, that's a little extreme. You want to warm up. It looked like Fury did warm up a little bit. But, I mean, for a while, they're just saying, I'm exhausted by the time I get in there. Bro, you, you signed a million dollar, millions of dollars of contract. You knew the fight date. You trained like a madman for how many weeks? He clearly looked in great shape. So it wasn't an aesthetic problem. He put on, what, 19 pounds of muscle for this fight, correct? Oh, he looked he looked like an airbrushed, um, you know, uh, airbrushed gym rat Arnold Schwarzenegger type guy from Muscle and Fitness back in the 80s. He looked with, incredible. With no legs, by the way. He does, he does, you could tell, Duante, Wilder has no calf muscles, okay? His very small legs. And one of the things that I've noticed, especially with heavyweights, and Pacquiao had these, like, these unbelievable calves for, for a smaller fighter. You better have some leg strength, man. Like, because when you get hit on that button, the only thing keeping you up for those few seconds while your brain is like, you know, sliding back into place is your strong, meaty legs, dude. And Wilder, like, he looks like a soccer player from the waist down. Like, he is like very thin legs. And when I saw that, I said, oh, man, I don't remember his legs being this small. So I'm glad he put on 19 pounds of shoulder muscles. But he should have probably put on another five to ten of uh, of leg muscles because he's gonna get popped, man. He's gonna go. You well, know what did, I mean? That did stand out to me. Uh, he looked wobbly. He looked wobbly early on. There were multiple slips. I can't remember the last time I watched a fight with that many slips. Uh, he looked he just did not look sure on his feet. He didn't look smooth. He just never really seemed to catch his wave in that fight. And, of course, you know, most of that goes to Fury, who was just all over him, leaning on him, mauling him, you know, just just burning up. Uh, talk about burning up calories, you know, just having to, you know, lock up with him all those times with that 42 extra pounds. I mean, Fury came in at 273. I mean, that's a big man. That is a big man. That 273 pounds leaning on you. Uh, is going to take its toll. He and he. By the way, Fury doesn't move like a two hundred and seventy-one pound man either. So to be fair, uh, he's very skilled, and he's you know he he looks like when you see Tyson Fury just physically, you're like, ah, oh, this dude's going to be exhausted inside the second round. <laughs> like, but he naturally, he and when I had said this going into the fight, people forget this guy Tyson Fury beat. Vladimir Klitschko five years ago, okay? Vladimir Klitschko 
after Lennox Lewis, is the best heavyweight fighter in the world for a long time. And the reason why he doesn't get as much regard as some of the other fighters of, of, of the past is because he was so popular in Europe, but he never really was able to stick the landing in the United States. But the, the Klitschko brothers, and specifically Vladimir, because Vitaly got his real... Sh- Vitaly got his shot when he was older. So if he had his shot five years earlier, Vitaly would be right there with him because I always thought Vitaly was a tougher guy. Vladimir was the finesse and Vitaly was the mean one. But Vladimir Klitschko, especially when Emmanuel Stewart takes over his corner and, and finally convinces Vladimir, bro, you don't have a chin, you can't get hit, We're, I'm going to teach you how to not get hit. And then Vladimir was unstoppable for a long time until basically he ran into Tyson Fury who cleaned that shit up real quick. And everybody was like, what just happened? And then Tyson Fury's life fell apart. The famous story, uh, the substance abuse, etc. He's a great story of a comeback. He's a great story of a, of a, um, what's the word? I'm a redemption uh, for putting his life mostly back together. Um, and he's a fantastic fighter. So, by the way, all the things we're talking about, Muldog, I don't, I, I honestly don't think if, if Deontay Wilder comes to the ring in his, uh, his boxer shorts and he's fully ready to go, I still don't think he, I do not believe he beats Tyson Fury on that night. I agree. And there's not even a chance. So on his best night last on Saturday night, he would have not have beaten the Tyson Fury that showed up to that fight. So let's give credit where credit is due, guys. Tyson Fury is the heavyweight champion of the world, is one of, unfortunately, the heavyweight champions of the world. Because that's the other thing we're going to talk about, Moldog, is uh, Wilder and F- Wilder had a, re- uh, um, um, a rematch clause in his contract. He has chosen, if you believe his words, after uh, the fight, he's going to go for the immediate rematch. Um, he has the right to. That's Fury's. That's everybody's fault for putting it in there. Unfortunately for us fans, that's going to stop us from seeing Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, who is the other heavyweight champion holder in uh, heavyweight boxing. So we're going to have to either wait a while or it probably is never going to. I mean, geez, you know how these fights go. We, you know, we finally got to see Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson 10 years after it should have happened. Yeah. But, and, and Mayweather Pacquiao, same thing. Yeah. May, Mayweather and everybody fought basically towards the end there. But we're not going to be able to crown an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world which is desperately what boxing needs because Wilder is going to exercise his rematch clause, which he has the right to do. I do not believe when Deontay Wilder shows up for match number three, I do not believe it to be as lopsided as match number two that we just saw. I think you just saw, and I'll go on the record. I think you just saw Tyson Fury's greatest moment. I don't know if he'll ever have a moment this great again. I think he's hit his apex right here. This is his apex mountain right here. Uh, and the next fight will be competitive. I'm not saying who's going to win or lose. 
but the next fight will be competitive. But I think this is this is peak Tyson Fury right here, this moment right now. And I don't know if going through Wilder again and then getting to Anthony Joshua, if Anthony Joshua is even still the paper champion that he is with the other belts. I don't know. And I, yeah, I just said that Anthony Joshua. So if you want to tweet at me, it's Ply and Muldog. Just let me know. But you know, he, Anthony Joshua is the Tommy is the Tommy gun of Rocky five. Okay. That's what he is. He's the guy with the paper belt. Like he's been beaten. He can't, he got beat by a, a complete Jamoke. Here in the United States, we had his first uh, fight here in the United States. He had no, the hype around him, the physique, the skills, quote unquote, to come in and lose like that was embarrassing. Killed his shot at, at the United States. He's a British fighter, by the way, Muldog. Got it. Then he, he goes back and he and he beats the guy who beat him. So fair enough. But none of the other heavyweights like Wild, even Wilder, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury are like, we're just going to make all our money with the like the fighter like he just Anthony Joshua just he's kind of like the Chris Bird of like today where no one ever really had a fear of Chris Bird back in the late 90s early 2000s he's kind of like that fighter where he's pretty good but he shouldn't be the heavyweight champion of the world he got he just kind of came into it he wouldn't I mean Wilder or Fury would mop this guy up being honest with you. Well, are you saying you know? right now that the world would rather see Fury Joshua than Fury Wilder 3? I don't think that the world would rather see it. I think the world needs it. Got it. I think we need to have an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. And from there, we can build upon any match we need to build upon. You know what I'm saying? That's a big ask these days, though. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But it's going to happen. Anyway, so that's it, Moldog. If you have any other thoughts about Fury Wilder, too, now's the time to spit them out before I get really angry on the next hot take. Okay, well, now, again, just the the overall level of dominance is what took me by surprise, not necessarily the result. Seventh round, eh, maybe a little early for it to end, but... uh. Just the I thought it was premature. Yeah, it was done. That fight was over. That fight was over in the third round. When I first saw it happen, real quick, when I first saw it happen, I said, eh, that's a premature stoppage for the referee. I don't think Kenny Bayless would have. Because right before Kenny Bayless steps in to stop it, Wilder throws a punch. If you notice in the yeah. replay. And I was yeah. kind of like, eh, I'm probably. And don't get me wrong. Bayless is in a tough position because he doesn't want anybody to get severely hurt. Oh, Wilder was bleeding out of everywhere. Yeah, because he had a ruptured eardrum, too, from that shot he took on his ear. But I don't see I don't see Bayless clo- stopping that fight for another, like, let's call it 10, 15 seconds at the most. Like, I see, I see if Wilder continues to be in trouble. He's got maybe 10 seconds left on Bayless's clock. That's what it felt like to me. So when I was watching, I said, eh, that's a little premature for Bayless. But then afterwards, we realized that the corner had thrown in the towel, which is completely understandable. And I don't think the corner did anything wrong. I know Wilder was kind of pissed, but you know what? He wasn't showing anything there. And the referee can only save you for so long, bro. You got to hit the guy back. 
and you know, without, without hurting yourself. And I think Wilder is going to be able to fight another day because of his corner, saving him from himself. I think that's an excellent point. The corner, the corner did help Wilder. They, they did not, uh, you know, they did not throw in the towel too early. They helped him. Yes. Which well, is speaking, your job. But speaking of not saving, nobody's there to save you from yourself, Muldog. I don't know if you saw these pictures of the new bat suit with Robert Pattinson getting ready to play Batman in the upcoming relaunch uh, for DC Films. Um, I, uh, uh, I don't know what to say without being too harsh here. I'm feeling feeling it. (laughs) Because, like, for real, bro, like, I'm already not a big fan of them picking Robert Pattinson to play Batman, right? Like, I'm not feeling it. So I'm one of the guys who's not feeling it, okay? Then I see the kind of leaked pictures of the bat suit and this bat bike, and I... It looks like he's in Mad Max, not in a Batman movie, first of all, to me. So the first thing I think is, oh, shit, the world ended, and this dude found some hockey pads that were left over from the last Batman film with Christian Bale, and he just put those on. And I'm like, eh. And then on top of that, the the one part that really makes Batman's entire suit And say what you want about Ben Affleck's Batman, whether you liked Ben Affleck's Batman or you didn't like Ben Affleck's Batman. Ben Affleck's Batsuit was amazing. Okay? He looked like the Dark Knight. It was perfectly designed around Frank Miller's design of the Dark Knight comic books. Affleck filled that suit perfectly. The cowl was great. It looked snarly. It looked like he was pissed all the time. It just was like, regardless of how, the quality of the movie, so we're not even going to go there on Batman versus Superman or whatever. The suit itself was amazing. And Christian Bale's suit, I always kind of had a problem with. It looked a little wonky to me. Uh, but it wasn't terrible. It didn't take me out of the movie, per se. Um, we're not even going to go over George Clooney's bat nipples. We're going to go right past that. But, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman, obviously iconic Tim Burton's take on it. A little too rubbery for today, but look great too. This doesn't stack up to any of those suits, man. I mean, you might as well put bat nipples on this thing because it, maybe this is a leak to see what our reaction is going to be. Maybe this is like the first 20 minutes of the movie where this dude is still trying to figure out what kind of suit he's going to be putting together as Batman. Or maybe it's like the original Sonic. They're waiting for uh, to see if they're going to get any blowback on this and then redesign it. Or, yeah, maybe this is just to, like, piss us all off and then be like, haha, and then make the movie even more uh, marketable. I don't know. His cowl goes way too back in his face. Like, it's cut all the way almost to his ears. He's got these weird uh, biker uh, glasses inside his helmet for his eyeballs. Uh, Batman's eye holes in this thing are like, to me, too big. He almost looks like a bug. Uh, his head looks huge. Like, he looks like he look. It just doesn't look. He's got football pads on. I will say the one cool part about the suit, so I'm not going to totally shit all over it. The one cool part about the suit is the bat symbol itself. It is made from the gun 
that killed his parents. So that is like a pistol that what that uh, the, the I think his name was Mud, the criminal who kills his parents in the comic books. That is made from the pistol that killed his parents. So that is really cool. Right. I get that. But he's got these weird dart things on his wrists like he's going to shoot out darts. I don't know if you saw those on the picture. I didn't see. I didn't see that on the picture. I was more focused on the ears, is what seemed to be uh, evoking the most fury uh, amongst the uh, internet mobs. Uh, the whole thing's pissing me off. So I don't even know where to, where to his. I don't even see a cape on this thing. Right? I don't see a cape on it. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm missing it. This. This. This has got to be. This has got to be either fake or a stuntman. But stuntman wear the same suits anyway, so I don't know why that would even matter, right? But it's... Uh, I don't even know what else to say about it, dude. I just want to throw up in my mouth. I don't know. You did say something, Ply, off-air that I'm going to have to take you to task on-air. Sure. You said, this may be the first Batman movie I don't even go see. I have zero, zero percent chance you stick to that. Zero. You say, <laughs> well, unless Mrs. Ply drags me by my bad ears to go see this. First of all, I'm not a Batman fan, Moldog. I'm Superman all the way. All right. And DC has been dropping the ball on Batman and suit. They're fumbling all over the place. Like, I don't. I don't know what the hell they're doing. They come out with a really good uh, Shazam movie last year. They come out with a really good sequel to Aquaman last year. Um, and then they kind of stumble a little bit with Birds of Prey. It's, it's not really what people were looking for. It's really more about Harley Quinn. So that movie didn't do too well so far. It's still it's still in the theaters. But they they're all over the place with Henry Cavill. How do you not keep Henry Cavill as Superman? Like what? What? What do they think? Who's in these boardroom meetings? Not like, why. You, you have the most perfect Superman there, ready to go. He's a he's a phenomenal actor. Okay, he's just did The Witcher, which is like the biggest Netflix show of all time. If you guys haven't seen it, make sure you do. It's unbelievable, especially if you played the video games like moi. But he, this guy is like perfect. Like, give him a good movie to be in. Like, this is horse shit. They put him in Batman versus Superman, which is kind of like a sloppy movie with Zack Snyder. And it just wasn't, it wasn't focused. They threw everything at the wall and it didn't stick. And, and, and the Lex Luthor in that movie was atrocious. And they, and then they make the Justice League movie and they CGI his mustache off. And he looks like he got punched in the face by Doomsday one too many times and then they say well we're gonna get rid of them they get rid of ben affleck which ben affleck kind of quit but they kind of got rid of him so whatever i get that whole thing and then they're like well we, we got to get rid of henry cavill because we got rid of batman what no you don't why do you have to get rid of batman i mean why do you have to get rid of superman like i don't, I don't understand when you have the perfect superman you have the perfect Wonder Woman. You have the perfect Aquaman. Like, you guys are doing good. Like, these three these three are cool. Just give Superman a good movie. That's all we're asking for. Stop making him some brooding, 
Bruce Wayne wannabe asshole who's depressed all the time and confused, make him the Boy Scout that he's supposed to be, make him the beacon of hope and light that we all look for in our Superman. You can you can let Batman be the brooding parental issue skunk that he's always been. Superman is supposed to be the Boy Scout, correct? That's, Am I wrong? That's always the way I thought about it. I mean, you know, Batman is synonymous with brooding, and, you know, Superman is synonymous with being above the fray. Batman is the one who kicks your ass to get the answer that he needs, right? Superman is the one who's got to bring you to your lawyer so he could try to get the answers to what he needs. Like there's always, they're always been diametrically opposed and that's what made them so fascinating together in the comics and obviously less so in the movies, but they tried to pull it off, but it didn't quite work. So all you got to do is give Henry, everything Henry Cavill touches when he was with Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Fallout, when he, whether he's in The Witcher, the guy, whether, you know, I mean, if you're not going to make him Superman, I don't understand why he's not in the running for the next James Bond because he came in second place and he's British all the time, right? So I don't, I don't understand what Warner Brothers is thinking. They're like, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get rid of him and, and we're going to get another Superman younger because Henry Cavill can't play opposite Robert Pattinson. So you're trading in Henry Cavill for Robert Pattinson. You guys think that Robert Pattinson has more box office pull than Henry Cavill? Are you out of your flipping minds? Most of the gaming community is really not a huge fan of Twilight Twinkle over there and him standing around in the woods as a, in a daytime vampire in the middle of a love triangle with a werewolf. Like, that is not to knock Robert Pattinson's acting skills because he's pretty good. But he hasn't had a movie make any money since Twilight, which none of us who like Batman like Twilight. So I don't understand the connection. And then you're going to trade your biggest star, who's perfect with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, who's perfect with Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And we'll figure out Flash later. We like that kid, but we'll figure it out. We'll fix that. We're on that. We can fix the Flash. We can experiment with the Flash. But why do we got to experiment with Superman? And why you got to make Batman look like he's in a Mad Max movie with no budget? I just don't understand it, man. I'm, I can't even talk about this anymore, Muldog. I'm, I'm feeling St- Stephen A. right now. I love it. I was waiting for a rant, and I just sat back and got it. That's my job. <laughs> I just love it. I just can't even, bro. I got. I actually got to close the... Uh, I got to close the uh, Google tab here with the Batman suit. I can't look at it anymore. Let's go with something positive. Let's move from bat nipples right into XFL week three, Muldog. Are you ready for this? Can you give us a recap and your feelings on how the league is doing here after three weeks of existence? Well, you got you got three points. Attendance is good. Yup. Crowds seem to be enthusiastic. Crowds seem to be into it. You got some viral videos coming out of, of people doing things at certain games. The funky guy at the Vipers who wears the suit and this, that, and the other. And uh, that's item number one, so that's good. Uh, item number two is this week had some incredible surprises. This was the biggest week of surprises, in my opinion. 
Okay. And then, and then the third point being, you're starting to see a separation of the haves and the have-nots here. And I think there's no question the Houston Roughnecks, as predicted here many moons ago, are the best team in the XFL. Uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks are not far behind them. They gave them a great game. That team is tough. Uh, the Dallas team is coming on. They've had their quarterback now two weeks. They've won, you know, both weeks that uh, Landry Jones has played. D.C. laid an absolute egg, and the Guardians are that dropping was- like a rock. That was shocking that yeah, that was got what beat I mean, up like that. Right. That was that was the biggest surprise of the weekend to me was uh was the DC game. Unbelievable. And Tampa well, what do you Bay think? Stinks. And Tampa Bay stinks and they predicted Tampa Bay to be the best team in the league. What do you think overall of the health of the league right now? I mean, do you think it is moving towards viability? Do you think that it'll it's it's you know if it continues on this trend the, to me the trends look good. You know the attendance, the TV ratings, I think LA's got to work on their attendance, but everybody else the attendance is pretty good. Do what you think didn't the attendance set a record this weekend? It set a record for a total of 85,000, close to 85,000. Last week it was like 79,000 total. Between the four home games, because obviously there's four home games every every uh, weekend. So it's moving up. I don't know if they can keep moving up. I mean, I'd love to see them hit 100,000 by the end of the season. I guess that depends if, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is 0-8. <laughs> right. And then right. they got the last home game, but. Well, that's, yeah, that's an issue. You don't want some of these teams to, to be 0 for going into week six, because then we'll see really what type of support uh, there is there. However, you know, with the tickets being where they at in the uh, alternative, you know, to the NFL still being around, they, they still could maybe hold some numbers, even with some bad teams. Uh, you kind of want it competitive. And it, it really has been for the most part. And with this week, with those surprises, um, you know, that made it, that made it look like it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion with these teams separating themselves but I think uh, Houston and St. Louis is a really interesting uh, battle down the road. The quarterback play was real interesting this week. There was some, there was some uh, that double forward pass on the tip, the tipped play that uh, Landry Jones threw. But one thing I noticed on watching, watching some of these games and then going through a highlight reel after that, and I don't know how they button this up, but they have to because the serious at NFL guy is looking at this the same way I am to a degree. And on some of these touchdown passes, you can't find the defender. There seems to be a lot of breakdowns in coverage, a safety coming from 30 yards away to try to make a touchdown saving tackle. Some of these guys seem to be wide open. There still seems to be maybe little too much miscommunication in the secondary or whatever it is. Offenses are usually ahead of defenses. So that's, that could be part of it. But some of these, plays they just look like broken plays that go for 60 yard touchdowns and i can't find a defender that's a an interesting observation um i don't know i i'm well i guess i'm the normal fan and you're kind of the more in the weeds fan because you're you know you're the sports guy on playing the bulldog but from a just a purely fan perspective just from somebody who doesn't necessarily 
analyze these plays like the way you do because I didn't notice necessarily what you were saying. Especially last week when NBC was writing that all the quarterbacks are awful. And, uh, you know, what are they going to do? Now, now, now all of a sudden receivers are wide open and they're hitting touchdowns. Well, or but, did, you see the, did you see the play P.J. Walker made on the fumbled snap? Where that was he, unbelievable. Yeah, oh, it was like right into his down. hands. That kid is great. I love yeah. that kid. Yeah, no, you picked the right team, Muldog. But as a, as a cat, I don't want to call myself a casual fan because I don't think that's fair. I'm a little more than a casual fan. But I'm not quite to the sports fan level that you are. So there's got to be a distinction between a casual fan and a, you're, I would consider you a diehard sports fan, okay? Fair. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm 2% milk, right? So I'm like, I'm not whole milk. I'm not up there with you. Like, I got the whole thing going on, and I sure as hell ain't skim milk. I'm like right there at like 2%, all right? And when I watch an XFL game, I don't see as much disparity between the XFL and the NFL play and the players and how they're playing and how they look, uh, the plays that they're drawing up, et cetera, that you do, you know, as a, just a fair perspective from, from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing football and, and I'm not watching it side by side, but I'm seeing football that to me compares pretty well with football in a regular season NFL game that a fan would experience. Well, you I see what I'm trying to say. I, I do. And I think the product, you know, okay. So we're what 40% through the regular season here. And so if you take a 40% snapshot, I think this product is as well as we could expect at this point. And I bet you Vince is, you know, of course, he always wants better and he's striving to improve. But I think Vince probably thinks, you know, we're off to a decent start here. This has not been a bad four weeks for the XFL. No, no way at all. And it's only it's it's unbelievable. It's only been three weeks. Or has it been four? Are we on week four or week three? We're week four. Oh, we are week four. We yeah. just completed week four. OK. No, the first month of the XFL has been in my... I mean, I'm not in the front office, so I don't know what they're thinking, but four weeks into the original XFL, and they were in trouble. They were bringing in half-naked cheerleaders, and they were trying to do wrestling matches in the middle of these football games, and it was just panic mode all over the place for Vince McMahon. Uh, There's no panic here to me. Uh, the XFL, by the way, if you guys aren't following some of these XFL teams and the XFL itself on Twitter, you're missing out because their Twitters are pretty epic and that you can clearly tell they're having a good time with their Twitters. <laughs> so make sure you check those out too. But I don't really see a huge disparity between the NFL and the XFL. Let me I, correct I mean, my let me correct myself, Ply. That was week three. I apologize. That was week was three. week three, right? Yes. Yeah, I apologize. I'm like I'm sitting here going, "Damn, we've already been through a month." I guess I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, but I was right. But no, you know. my bad. Week week three, so we're thirty percent through the season. And, yeah. But the the rest of my analysis stands. I I think the product uh, is is as well as anybody could have expected. You know, even with a bit of an optimistic uh, slant on it. So can we safely say? 
that we we believe based on week three from week one that the XFL is getting better. It's moving in the right direction. We can safely say that. Okay. And, and, and I think we can safely assume they've got some really good coaching talent over there, like Glanville and Pep on DC and, and these guys, I, I don't think the football gets worse. I think the defensive plays that you're noticing, which are great points. I think in the next few weeks, you're going to see some defenses become those defenses. Like, you know what I mean? That was my best Chris Berman, by the way. But, you know, so it's going to – I think it's going to catch up, man. I think there's some already – the NFL's sniffing around at a few of the players, um, which is cool. We, I mean, we had our conversation last week about that, whether or not Vince is going to open his checkbook for some of these players. Again, that will um, be rubber hits the road. Another interesting point that I was thinking of earlier today was – the XFL has some guys in the XFL who never finished college who are w- would technically be like juniors in college or seniors in college ball and with all this uh attention to the NCAA for not paying their players how about some of these really good freshmen sophomore uh, college players who instead of waiting all four years to uh, try to get a shot at the NFL, you can play a year or two at an Ohio State or or uh, Oregon or a uh, Texas Tech, and then you've got options. You can get drafted into another league that the NFL is watching as well and play professional football for a decent salary, who knows what the salaries will be in a few years, but decent football, enter the XFL draft early, not have to sit four years in, in sitting in home ec classes and the fake classes they make some of these guys take. You don't have to worry about recruiting issues or the NCAA suspending your team for walking across the street the wrong way. You can go play football now for a good salary, and then the NFL could still come knocking on your door, which has already happened to a few players in the XFL this year, where some of these guys are playing in the XFL, and then they will be available in the NFL draft. So this, to me, is huge for other for players to have options and do other things. Well, that's that's a great point. That that is a real potential. Uh, anytime you offer an option to get away from the restrictive element of the rules transferring from, you know, college to the pros or the NFL in this case, where you have to be X amount of time away from your freshman year. And, you know, there's a, there's an age and year requirement, the old, you know, let's go back a little ways. One of the famous lawsuits, if you remember, uh, his name was Maurice Claret, and he was a running back at Ohio State. And okay. he, he challenged the system because he got in trouble. He was a superstar freshman. You know, he had a fake job. He took some money, got a couple hundred dollar handshakes, nothing that anybody else doesn't do at his level. But he got caught. He got kind of sucked up in the jet wash there. And then he fought the system in the NFL to be eligible the next year. He lost, he wasn't eligible. 
The following year, he wasn't eligible. When he finally became eligible, he never, ever, you know, he'd been away from the game or away from the competition too long. He never, ever really had any type of impact in the pros. And this was this was a guy who, as a freshman, uh, was scoring touchdowns in the national championship game against Miami and helping Ohio State win that national championship. So that's a very interesting kind of kind of uh, preview into the future you make there, Ply, with may some of these guys, you know, just have it with the NCAA and their nonsense, and we've discussed that before, and they may just say, screw it, let's, let's go play, let's make a few dollars and be on TV, and, uh, you know, maybe the NFL sees us, or maybe this becomes our landing spot. I, I think that's a reality. It's unbelievable. It's, uh, the XFL, if it continues on its trajectory, is going to be a real alternative to, by the way, NFL players who get disgruntled and don't want to be there anymore. Okay. It's another, it's another employer. It's another option. It's, you know, if the XFL continues to grow, I don't know if necessarily the top tier NFL guys are, they're not jumping over. I get that. But what I'm saying is maybe there's a second string quarterback in the NFL. Who's, who's probably pretty damn good. And and never gotten his his time out on the field, right? So maybe he wants his shot at glory, and he takes an XFL tryout. Maybe a college kid who doesn't want to deal with the NCAA anymore and wants to get paid a hundred, two hundred grand a year, whatever it is, throwing out numbers to play professional football and be on ESPN every week, uh, and and play for a real coach on a real team. Maybe he jumps to the XFL. I mean, these are this just gives em- employees essentially. This gives players, which are employees, more power, more choices. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I think it actually will make the NCAA. If the XFL continues to grow uh, slowly but surely in popularity and in revenue, I'd be shocked if the NFL and the NCAA didn't start pulling some skeletons out of their closet and throwing them away. If they didn't start cleaning up some of the garbage that they pull on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis with their players, there's no way this shit continues to slide, especially in the NCAA, with some of the things they get away with. If the guy's like, dude, if my if the NCAA comes into my school and says, oh, Pete Carroll, or whoever was it there at that time. Remember that Pete Carroll thing, right? University of Southern Cal, yes. There you Edwin go. So, yeah, all right. So, okay, well, that was, you know, you got, you shouldn't have been playing here. You took this, the illegal recruiting, whatever. University of Southern Cal is not allowed to play in the uh, playoffs for three years. And, uh, you know, you're all suspended for, for 10 games, whatever it is, whatever the punishment is that they come down on. If I'm some of the better players on those teams, F this, dude. The L.A. Wildcats are down the street, bro. You know what? They're looking for a wide receiver. Or they're looking for a running back. Or they're looking for a linebacker. I'm going to take a walk down there, get a box of uh, Cracker Jacks, and go in and see the GM and say, Hey, man, I scored, you know, however many touchdowns up the street at University of Southern Cal. F those cats, dude. What do you guys got down here? Give me a tryout. I'll be da- I'd be damned if the NCAA wouldn't take a relook at some of the crap that they do 
and, and you know, it's it, the only way to teach some of these guys, some of these organizations uh, is hit them in their wallet. That's it. And that is it. You know, and I think the XFL is all around good for the sport of football. Well, just circling back, you, I made a I made a note here as you were talking, and I just circled the word choices. And I think that was the key point that you made there. You're giving some of these guys an additional choice, not all that far dissimilar to the brief conversation we had about the Canadian League back in the day. So all those Warren Moons and Doug Fluties and Dieter Brocks and those guys who spent a lot of time up there and then came down here. But it's a different it's a different situation. The XFL, you're on Fox and CBS and ESPN right away. The Canadian League is not. So the XFL almost, from that standpoint, can totally supplant the Canadian League, with American audiences at least, to sure. get some of these guys. The Canadian League will be a non-factor except north of the border, you know, where it's, of course, second, not only second fiddle to hockey, it's like fifth fiddle up there to, you know, curling, <laughs> for crying out loud. But, yeah, oh no, curling is way more popular in Canada than the CFL. But yeah. it, it does, in, and like anything, like anything, more choices, more competition leads to a better product, more mobility for the labor force, the labor force in this in this case being the athletes. And and then you throw in the kicker, which is more than a kicker, which would, you know, really, really get the Muldog excited. And that's stick it to the damn NCAA. Because we we all know where the Muldog is on the NCAA. Oh, we know you don't like them. They're like the in-laws of sports for you, man. You're like just jonesing at it. I would never say anything that bad about my in-laws than the damn uh, NBA. Yeah, yeah. I will say this. There's one place that Muldog would like to send the NCAA, and that's hell. And speaking of hell, Muldog, Ply's been playing a little game called Doom live on the show, on the Facebook show, and I've been having an absolute blast playing my favorite game of all time, Doom 2016 for the PlayStation 4 Pro. I don't know if you had a chance to check out the carnage, the destruction that I was bringing down upon these demons. Dude, this this is a deja vu. Aren't you playing Doom every night? It's the only game you talk about for crying out loud. <laughs> I did no, chime I in, and, and I thought it. I thought it was cool. I liked it. I followed it for a while. It's probably my uh, second favorite thing I've seen on the uh, on the nation uh, behind Ghostbusters. But yeah. uh, Ply, uh, Doom makes a lot of appearances, so uh, it does. Uh, but but it's but obviously near and dear to your heart. You're getting your streams crossed a little bit. <laughs> Very last, <nice>. week, <laughs> last week I played Doom Three, which was we're we're playing the Doom games, working our way up to the new Doom, which comes out next month. So last week I played the classic PC title from the early 2000s, Doom Three. This week, what you saw me play the other day was Doom 2016. So quite a different game, uh, way faster, uh, way more violent. Uh, it's more of it's less of a horror game and more of a make you feel like a total badass running at 3000 miles an hour with a super shotgun game. And it's 
especially since Ply hates Mondays so much, it's good to have a game that brings me so much joy as I rip demons limb from limb and smack them in the head with their legs to be able to get rid of that Monday feeling out of my body. Um, and the audience really seems to enjoy it because I think they know how much I enjoy it and how excited I am for the new Doom, which we've been waiting for for like four years to come out, comes out on March 20th. So we're going to, Ply's going to be having a big event for that uh, March 20th, right at midnight. As soon as the game releases, Ply's going to be playing that sucker all night long so you guys can check out the new Doom Eternal, which is supposedly going to be even bigger and more badass than Doom 2016. I don't even know that was possible, but I'm ready, dude. I got extra levels of testosterone ready for this game, man. I'm just ready to snarl all night at this thing. So is there anything else you want to add, Moldog, before we wrap this up for today? Well, let me chime in on Doom uh, for sure. a minute here. I don't, uh, you know, I don't try to come in as any type of expert on any of these video games where I'm really not, uh, you know, in a position to talk with any degree of real intelligence. But you what will I can, be soon. Yeah, what I can say from 50,000 feet is I've never heard you talk about any other game the way you talk about Doom. So that is yeah. my observation. It's my favorite of all time. <laughs> There you yeah, go, dude. And it's uh, it's it's just speed, and it's just it, it it looks like nothing but carnage, but it's not just carnage. You walk into a particular area, you have to use strategy. You can never stop moving. Different weapons for different demons. Um, it's just it's just insane, dude. It's just batshit crazy. So that's what we got for today, guys. We're gonna have some new episodes coming out later on in the week, so make sure you stay tuned. We're going to put a few episodes in the tank soon because Plyrock is going on a little mini vacation this weekend, Muldog. Oh, where are you going, to Disney? Uh, no, even better. I'm heading to PAX East 2020, the big streamer convention up in Boston. I'm going to be heading there Saturday and Sunday with Mrs. Ply. And we're going to be having a great time meeting other streamers, talking to sponsors, meeting the big wigs at Facebook Gaming. I'm not interested in uh, the Twitch or Mixer guys. No offense, guys, but Facebook is our home. So I'm excited to meet everybody up there. It's my first one. I am a little bit nervous. We're going to be talking plying the Muldog up there. Big shout out to some of our sister stations, Rally Point Gaming, Ill Snow Gaming on Facebook, uh, and Mr. Gray TV, among others. Those are guys that I stream with on a regular basis who are not going to be able to attend PAX East. So I want to make sure I represent them as well as the Ply Rock Nation, yours truly, President Ply, and uh, and Ply and the Muldog podcast, because uh, this is a project that's near and dear to our heart. Uh, we want to continue to improve like the XFL. Every week we want our attendance to go up like the XFL. <clears throat> We'd love for season two of Ply and the Muldog to even have more things going on just like the XFL. So this is, a, this is an inspiration. We are pushing as hard as we can to bring you guys the absolute best that we can deliver on a weekly basis. Muldog, that's going to be it for me, man. Why don't you say goodbye to all your loving fans? I tell you what, goodbye to all the loving fans. We really appreciate all the support, every single one of you, and that is not cliche. That is from the heart. Thank you. 
It's unbelievable. All right, guys, we will catch you on the next Ply in the Moldog. Please don't forget to like, share, follow, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. It really helps out the show. We will see you guys all next time.